Bob France Authority. Indeed, and hour number two is underway. At 10 minutes past 10 o'clock, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to dive right into it on this Wednesday, the 29th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020, because we're going to talk about a story that's over 10 years old, uh, which means we've got to put a lot of time into the backstory here. And uh, first, I want to introduce Bob Dyer to you. Uh, Bob Dyer probably needs no introduction to any uh, Summit County listeners. He has been a fixture with the Akron Beacon Journal as a journalist and reporter and writer for a very long time, and he joins us now in AM 1420, the answer to talk about an old case that has suddenly become new again. Bob, it's good to have you on the program here on AM 1420, the answer. How are you, good sir? I'm doing well. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this, I'm so- this case just won't, this will not go away. She just keeps coming back and coming back. This poor, misunderstood woman who was just oh. trying to get her kids a better education. It's just disgusting. Yeah, it's it really is. Uh, in fact, let me let me share a little bit of the backstory, and then I want you to tell us more of the backstory before you bring us current on this. You appeared on the Doctor Phil show along with Al Sharpton to discuss and debate the story of Kelly Williams Bolar, and this was in twenty eleven. Uh, Bob, correct. correct me. Was that, is that accurate? Twenty eleven. So yeah, so it's March, technically it's March nine years. Yeah, yeah. So it's technically yeah, a nine year old story, but this is uh Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll just keep the work. That uh, was uh, quite an interesting show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it appears there's a delay between your cell phone and me, so we're going to probably talk over each other a little bit there. My apologies for that. But let me give the people this much. Uh, this is a, a portion, a very short portion of the show uh, that Dr. Phil put on, on March in March of 2011. Did you break the law? <sighs> Did I use my, my father's address? It's Yes. Was that breaking the law in your opinion? No. I tried to do things right. I tried to. But at that time in my life, I had so much going on with, with my home, someone breaking into my home. I was frantic. I was going to school trying to do 14, 15 credit hours every semester. I was, it was so hard for me. And so all I, you know, my dad was like, listen, your home, you know, has been violated. It's been burglarized. And someone was outside my home. We have like 12 police reports. And he was like, just bring them here. I'm home. I can help you with your kids. That is Kelly Williams Bowler back in 2011, Bob Dyer, trying to tell Dr. Phil and a national television audience that she didn't break the law. I mean, yeah, she used her dad's address, but she was so in such a bad place. Her home was such a dangerous place to be. There were police cars outside all the time. There were so many incident reports. And, and I was going to school taking 14, 15 credit hours at a time to try to become a teacher. And so, yes, I let my dad use or I, I used my dad's address to send my child to a safer and better school. Now, Bob, on the surface, that sounds like a really sad story, and who could blame a mom for doing so? Give us the rest yeah, what, of that story from 2011. Yeah, what she didn't bother to say that she, is that she falsified every document she ever came in contact with. She lied about her residency. She lied about her income, her child support, her insurance coverage, her progress toward a college degree. Akron used said she wasn't close to any degree, much less a degree, a teaching degree. She lied about eligibility for home heating assistance and subsidized lunches. Her uh, her best lie was uh, best being sarcastic here, but she admitted during her trial that she got an envelope from the school system in 2008 and returned it unopened, writing "deployed overseas for eight months." She never was in the military at all. I mean, that's the extent she would go to try and cheat her way through the system. 
So she's a con artist. She was a fraud <laughs> artist, essentially. She and, and, and let's tell people what we're talking about here in terms of the schools, right? Tell me about the school district she was in and which one she sent her kid to with, fall, with all of that falsified information you just described. Yeah, she lives in the Akron School District, and next door is the suburban school district, Copley Fairlawn Schools, which, contrary to all the reports in the mainstream national media where they didn't do their homework, is not a rich white school. It is a quarter minority. Uh, I think at that point it was 17% black enrollment. But it's a superior school, and uh, they were for a while they were taking people from out of, out of district on a case-by-case basis. It's paid tuition. You had good grades. You weren't a troublemaker. They would take a certain number. I don't know what the number was, but they would let you in. But instead of trying to do anything like that, she just claimed that they were living at her grandfather's house, or at her father's house. Her father's house, in right. Copley. Yeah. <clears throat> but the thing was, Copley put out the word a couple of years before that, we're going to pursue people who are doing this illegally. You're basically stealing from Copley taxpayers, and they shouldn't have to subsidize your education. So everybody knew Copley was going to go after him. Well, Copley did go after him, and she maintained they were living in her grandfather's house over and over and over again, uh, but they followed her and took video footage to show that they weren't living there. So she claimed there was but, discrimination that they're yeah. Well, um, so so you were just about to hit, it sounds like, the question I was going to interrupt and ask, the discrimination standpoint. She claimed that the uh, school district that was blowing the whistle on her um, and was was doing so because she is black and her son is black and her child uh, wasn't allowed to go to a white school. In fact, as I looked up the Dr. Phil clip that I just played uh, to introduce you, Bob, uh, I went to YouTube yeah. and I and I put in those search terms, Dr. Dr. Phil, Kelly Williams Bowler, Bob Dyer, and Al Sharpton. The results came back with so many stories like this. Ohio mom Kelly Williams Bowler jailed for sending kids to better school district. Kelly Williams yeah. Bowler jailed for sending kids to white school district. This is the narrative that a black woman trying to put her kid in a better school was thrown in jail for it. And, and Bob, now again, this is nine years ago. This wasn't Black Lives Matter territory where we are today. Tell me how this story is current now. Tell us why you wrote what you had to write about yesterday. Well, there was a march uh, organized from in Copley on Saturday. Drew 300 people uh, under the Black Lives Matter banner. Um, they held mm-hmm. her up as a a shining example of what's wrong with the country and had her speak. Uh, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what she said, but the the storyline carried through that she was just trying to get a better education for her kids, which is absolute rubbish. She never once before the trial, during the trial, and even after the trial for a while said she wanted her kids to get a better education. She said she wanted them to be safe, which is what every parent everywhere wants. Um, One thing that's very key to this, I think, is that when she started whining about being discriminated against, um, let me find this. Oh, the U.S. Department's, U.S. Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights did an investigation at the request of her lawyer. On December 20th, 2008, it issued a report that said white and black families in the same situation had been treated exactly the same. There were, for the record, um, 48 families that were confronted for illegally attending the schools. <clears throat> Excuse me, 29 were black, 15 were white, two Asian, one Pacific Islander, one multiracial. 
she was the only one who proclaimed her innocence throughout and took it to the wall. The other families, including the 28 other black families, uh, either pulled their kids out of Copley schools or made arrangements so the kids were legally residing in the district. She wouldn't, and she wouldn't plea bargain. People are saying, how is this a felony? She spent nine days in jail. It's just totally unfair. You can't plea bargain if one side won't bargain. She maintained her innocence. She wouldn't plea bargain, so she's convicted of a felony. So, Bob, for those just turning on the radio, we're talking to Bob Dyer, reporter for the Akron Beacon Journal, recounting the story of Kelly Williams Bowler. This is a huge story. Again, it went national out of Akron and Copley Fairlawn schools uh, back in 2011. Uh, so this woman was one uh, out of 28 black families that were essentially cheating and lying to put their kids away from the Akron schools, which were considered to be inferior, and into the superior Copley Fairlawn schools. 28 black families, 15 black families, and then a few other assorted ethnicities that you just described. 47 out of the 48 families did the right thing once they were caught and took their kids out of the schools, or as you said, made it right so that they could legally stay in those schools. One woman denied she was doing anything wrong, lied on a, on countless numbers of forms that she was asked to verify, lied about being in the military, lied about going to school to be a teacher, all to generate sympathy. She now is the face of Black Lives Matter in Akron? She was one of the featured speakers at an event in Akron about the injustices, the system. See, Bob, this is what I want to speak to. And I know you kind of talked about this somewhat at the beginning of your column, Black Lives Matter, but truth matters too. This is not about black and white. This is about a criminal who essentially said, to hell with the system. I'm not, I'm not doing anything they tell me to do. I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal to do whatever I want. She made a national name for herself off of it, and now she is being celebrated as an example of the a victim of white uh, uh, systemic racism in America. Yeah, the only thing I would uh, correct you on that is I wouldn't consider her the, the face of Black Lives Matter in Akron. She is the face of this group. Which that March. Okay. Fair, Cop, yeah, Copley Fairlawn for All. It was a local group mostly involving current and former students of the school and some other community members. But Got on it. the other hand, she's somebody, uh, a person who works for us said they were talking to somebody there with a video camera who said they were making a documentary about this woman. And I'd also like to point out that uh, she had an autobiography a few, few years ago, which I <laughs> couldn't resist writing about. Um, one of the things she claims, she, she had good background in this. One of the things she claimed was that her father, who was the one supposedly the kids were living with, in right. the book she said, quote, he died in custody for his conviction for allowing his granddaughters to live with him and attend the school in the district where he lived. Well, actually, he was serving a one-year prison term for ripping off more than $100,000 in Social Security and the welfare benefits. Wow. Um, and this is the same guy. He filed so many bogus discrimination lawsuits in U.S. District Court in Cleveland, he was banned from filing anymore. He was identified as a vexatious litigator. So this well, well now, well, now we know where now we know where his daughter learned how to, to, to defraud people and defraud the system. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're crying wolf, and this cheapens the real injustices. There are a lot of real injustices, and, and claiming this kind of stuff cheapens the whole thing. Well, here's a, here's another injustice to wrap this up, Bob Dyer. Copley Fairlawn for All, the organization, according to your article, wants the school, 
the Copley Fairlawn School District to apologize to Kelly Williams Bowler for her criminal attempt to fleece the taxpayers out of around $30,000 that it would have cost to educate her kid. She still owes that school $30,000 in tuition. They want the school to apologize to her and pay her for her crimes. I'll give you the last word on that. Well, if it weren't so sad, it would be laughable. I mean, she ought to be apologizing till the end of time. And as you said, she still owes 30 grand in tuition. These these people clearly didn't do their homework or don't care about the truth. She is the worst possible example to to trot out there for what's wrong with the school. Yeah, uh, I want to know when the media is going to get any word on the other 28 black families that did things the right way. They did it the right way. I mean, well, they attempted to do it the wrong way, the way she did, then said, oh, okay, we got caught, and they corrected the situation, never to be heard from again. She fights it all the way. And by the way, one other quick note on here we didn't mention, too, her felony conviction was reduced by Governor John Kasich for reasons still unknown, right? And she that's why she only well, ended up having to do nine days in jail. I know the reason. He was under intense political pressure. There was uh, Change.org and some other groups were sending bombarding him with mail saying this is totally unfair but as i pointed out in the column the the uh ohio parole board investigated this interviewed people for like six hours wrote a 16 page report that concluded he should not reduce the charges one of the things they said was williams bolar was faced with a no more difficult situation than any other working parent who must ensure that their children are safe during before and after school most parents find legitimate and legal options to address this issue Ms. Williams Bolar only response was to be deceitful. So wow. these people who who routinely judge whether or not to let people out of prison or reduce sentences investigated and said, "No, there's no way this should be reduced to a misdemeanor." Wow! Um, Simply incredible. So the Iowa Parole Board, uh, John Kasich ignored them, and now we're supposed to ignore all of her crimes and just say, hey, you know what, this is wrong to have jailed her because black lives matter. (laughs) Bob Dyer, uh, uh, tremendous uh, piece. Thank you for bringing it current, and thanks for reminding everybody about your appearance on Dr. Phil, too. I wish I had audio of your your part of that with, uh, with the Reverend Al. Maybe we'll revisit that another time. But, Bob, thanks very much for being with us. You're welcome, Bob. I appreciate it. You got it. Bob Dyer, Akron Beacon Journal. We're a little late. Let's get out and come back in again. AM 1420, The Answer. It's 10.35. Onward we roll. AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. Great guest so far. Thanks to Jack Windsor. Thanks to Bob Dyer. Going to pivot to the election now. It's 97 days away. And yesterday, congressional Democrats managed to provide Joe Biden, their candidate, with a five-hour campaign commercial, interrupted only periodically by the likes of Jim Jordan. Spying. That one word. That's why they're after you, Mr. Attorney General. Fifteen months ago, April 10th, 2019, in a Senate hearing, you said this sentence, quote, I think spying on a political campaign is a big deal. Spying on a political campaign is a big deal. It sure is. 
And ever since that day, they have been attacking William Barr. Yesterday, they spent five hours attacking the Attorney General and, by extension, the President of the United States. That is all a part of this uh, this campaign. Joining us now to discuss and analyze is a senior advisor to Trump 2020, the re-election campaign for the President and Vice President, Corey Lewandowski. Corey, good to have you back on our program here in Cleveland. It's been a while. You may not recall, but uh, we, do, we do, lo- do love having you on the air. How are you, sir? No, I'm doing great, and you know, I I know exactly the feeling that Attorney General Barr went through yesterday because I myself was subjected to that back in September of last year, as your listeners probably remember. I remember it very well. You, and, and please do not take this as a criticism, because I don't mean it as one, because I think the Attorney General has to be a little bit different, perhaps, than you did. You took a lot less crap from them. You you gave it back. You When they tried to talk over you, when they asked you a question and wouldn't give you time, you just kind of talked over them. You made very direct statements. You said some things that they absolutely, absolutely hated. I would love to have seen the Attorney General do the same thing you did yesterday, but of course he's in a different position than yours. He had to sit there and take it, didn't he? Well, he did, and it's really a shame. You know, it was a mockery. First of all, you know, he, uh, the, the meeting started 45 minutes late because Chairman Nadler got into a car accident. And then at one period in the meeting, uh, Attorney General Barr asked for a five-minute recess, and Nadler said no. Yeah. Think about that. He said, I waited an hour for you to start this. I haven't had lunch. Can we take a five-minute break? And Jerry Nadler said no. If that is n- and then he said, you're a real class act. Look, I would have said something very different but uh, you know hey bill barr has to work within the confines of the federal government and i'm on the outside but that just goes to show how people are treated uh when you're on the opposite political party can you imagine for one second if we would have treated loretta lynch like that when the republicans were in control they would have been called misogynists and haters and xenophobics and every other word possible well you missed the biggest one you missed the biggest one they would have been called racist. racist. You don't treat a black or, woman like that. You would, I mean, that or Eric Holder, either one of the last two AGs would have been if the if the, if the uh, uh, chairman of the Judiciary Committee had been a, a Republican doing that to Eric Holder or or Loretta Lynch. My goodness, I, I cannot even imagine what would have been said. But look, Bill Barr. You know, when I watch him, he is a man amongst boys, right? He looks at these clowns out there, Eric Swalwell, who's just a complete buffoon. You know, I call him President Swalwell. You know, this is a this guy went on TV yesterday on MSNBC and said that the, the Trump administration was using chemical weapons against innocent civilians up in Portland. Okay, that's a complete fallacy, and nobody from MSNBC even had the decency to correct him. If I say that right now, it's uh, 1038, and I'm off by one minute, they're tearing my face off. You're a liar, Mr. Lewandowski. It's 1039. I mean, that's how they are. So it's just, you know, it's the hypocrisy of the left. It's why... The American people distrust this media beyond words because well, they're so disingenuous and they hate Congress. To the point that Swalwell made on MSNBC, a pepper ball technically is a chemical. It is intended to disperse crowds, and it's been used throughout uh, you know the history of, of, of America. Pepper balls or tear gas or something to disperse unruly, potentially violent crowds. They're acting like Donald Trump invented it. That's the problem with his argument about using chemicals against uh, peaceful protesters. And it's very simple. You know, whether you're in Cleveland or you're in Columbus, Ohio, you're in Cincinnati or anywhere else, you don't have the right to destroy federal government property because you don't agree with something. You can absolutely peacefully protest. There's no question about it. You can go to the State House in Columbus and, and you can protest. And we did it during a Tea Party movement, you know, 10 years ago where we, we got our permits and we stood out there and we rallied and we had the bullhorns. But we didn't light police cars on fire. We didn't kill innocent civilians. We didn't blow up 
police substations. We did it in a peaceful environment, and the president supports that, as does the attorney general. What we don't support is marauders running through the streets, throwing Molotov cocktails, destroying businesses, and harming innocent civilians. That will never be tolerated. Corey Lewandowski is a senior advisor for Trump 2020. I'm going to go back to the first thing I said when talking about what happened yesterday. You know, I was really excited about the testimony because I know I knew what was going to happen, or at least I thought I did. I thought the mental midgets in the Demon Rat Party were going to try to to engage Bill Barr in an election in, in in an intellectual pursuit or debate, and I knew how that was going to go. And apparently, so did they. That's why they they did not allow him to speak, and they turned what was supposed to be a hearing in which he was supposed to give testimony into five hours of insulting him and President Trump on everything from what's going on in the streets to the COVID-19 to Roger Stone and Michael Flynn to uh, you know the investigation into the investigation of the Russia hoax and everything else. Corey, this was, this was supposed to be an opportunity to, to get answers from the top cop in the country, and instead they used it as a five-hour Biden campaign commercial. They had no interest in getting answers. They had interest in taking their five minutes of fame and producing an infomercial, saying how smart they are. And what we have seen is these guys are mental midgets, okay? I saw this personally when I had to testify in front of these clowns, and I've been very clear. I testified six times in front of Congress over this whole Russia collusion fake hoax narrative that we went through. They knew from the beginning there was nothing there, and they continued to pursue it. And Bill Barr was there to answer their questions. And when he started to give them the answers, they said, I reclaim my time, I reclaim my time. Because they didn't actually want to hear the questions because they knew that if the American people heard what Bill Barr was saying, he would be even more articulate than he has been in the past. And the American people would be more outraged from what has transpired over the last four years. Corey, uh, Joe Biden has been hiding in the basement for the last four months. He is finally starting to emerge a little bit. He has no choice now. He's going to have to to engage Donald Trump in a debate or two. The first one's going to be right here in my town in Cleveland. Uh, so in the process of all of this, he has unveiled a four-point economic plan uh, that essentially looks like every other Democrat economic plan. Raise taxes on everybody, and in particular the small businesses um, uh, that are supposed to, that are hurting the most right now because they've all been shut down by big state uh, blue state governors over the COVID-19 fears. Now when they do get back to working again, if there's a President Biden, their taxes are going to go up on their earnings. Um, what is your What are your thoughts on what Biden has proposed economically? Well, let me just start by saying, look, I'm happy that the first debate is at Case Western University in Cleveland, but I am going to make a bold prediction here and, and your listeners aren't going to like it. I'm going to predict that Joe Biden doesn't participate in the debate on September 29th, and the reason for that is he is going to find an excuse why he and Donald Trump should not be on the same debate stage. We know that Donald Trump will destroy Joe Biden because he has a lack of faculties, which means there is a potential now that tens of millions of people will be casting their first votes before a presidential debate even happens because of the way the system is set up. We want Joe Biden to start debating uh, by Labor Day. He doesn't want to do that. He won't agree to additional debates because he has no policies, because he is hiding from the media. And while he is coming out now, and you've articulated that accurately, he's still not taking questions from the press. He did a press conference last week. He made some remarks. He scuttled off the stage like an old man and said, I've got to get somewhere else. I can't take any questions. That would never be allowed by Donald Trump. He is so forward-facing with the media. He is the most accessible candidate and president that this country has ever seen. As a matter of fact, the press says, 
We have no more questions for you, Mr. President. You've answered every single one. Please give us a break. Joe Biden is the exact opposite, and I predict he is not going to participate in the first debate at Case Western. The fact that he won't even debate with Chris Wallace should be very telling, should it not? President Trump engaged in that wide-ranging interview two Sundays ago with Chris Wallace, and Chris Wallace grilled him. And the president took every question. Now, I don't think he answered all of them perfectly, but he took them. And Chris Wallace praised him because that that's what you have to do. You have to answer all of these important questions. He offered Joe Biden the same opportunity, and Biden declined. You're right about his declining mental faculties, probably early-onset dementia. He doesn't want to answer the questions from anybody, but According to the polls, Corey, he doesn't have to. If he just keeps his mouth shut and stays in the basement, stays in the basement. According to the polls, he cruises to victory. Hey, don't believe the polls. Look, we won Ohio four years ago. We're going to win Ohio again. Let me just take you to the way back machine for one second. July 26, nineteen eighty-eight. That's not a misstatement. Nineteen eighty-eight. You know what the polls said? It said Michael Dukakis is going to defeat George H. W. Bush. The New York Times ran a story. It said the polling data said that Michael Dukakis was winning 55 to 38 percent over then Vice President George H.W. Bush. We know what actually happened. Michael Dukakis, the Duke, never made it, right? And President, uh, Vice President Bush became the President of the United States. Don't believe the polls 96 days out. Our polling data indicates that Donald Trump is winning in places that we didn't win just four years ago. We've got opportunities to win in Minnesota. We've got opportunities to win in my home state in New Hampshire. And I'm going to make a very bold prediction, and I know your listeners aren't going to believe this either. Donald Trump is going to win by a larger electoral margin than he won in 2016. And no one wants to talk about this, but the electoral margin of success for Donald Trump in 2016 was so large, he could have actually lost the state of Florida, and he still would have been elected president. Think about that for a second. Wow. That's, that means a complete blowout, which no one wants to talk about. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. But that's not how the game is played. You have to go and win the Electoral College. Those are the rules of the game. We're going to win Ohio, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. I think we've got a chance to absolutely win in Minnesota, New Hampshire, and all the other places we won last time. Those are all going to come home back to Donald Trump. I'm going to ask you a crazy question because this this state should never be in play. And maybe it won't this time either, but this is part of the, the talking points going into this thing. Are you concerned, Corey Lewandowski, about Texas, which is becoming more blue? Because Californians are trying to escape the extraordinary tax rate and other problems and the lawlessness of California, and they're moving to Texas and then bringing the same things that they tried to escape with them to try to turn Texas into California. Are you worried at all about Texas uh, uh, staying red? I am as worried about Texas staying red as the Democrats should be worried about Massachusetts staying blue. Because, look... Texas has not elected a statewide Democrat in a quarter of a century. The last statewide Democrat to win in Texas was before President George W. Bush was the governor of Texas. He defeated Ann Richards. That race was 25 years ago. So if Texas is turning red, uh, if Texas is turning blue, then, then we have to say that because Massachusetts and Maryland have Republican governors, those states are turning red. We know it's not the case. This has been the same narrative the Democrats have said for two decades so that we're spending resources there. The truth is Texas is a solid state for Donald Trump. We're going to win Texas by a big margin, and this is all smoke and mirrors from the left to try and get us to spend money there. Um, 
what is your thought, Corey Lewandowski, senior advisor to the Trump 2020 campaign? Um, what is your thought on the role of the pandemic in this whole thing? 97 days away, and where many states are under mask mandates, many states are reclosing businesses, many states have never really opened them in the first place. Some of them are creating new laws because they want to continue to fearmonger. Looking at Phil Murphy in New Jersey, um, and and a lot of people are terrified because the media wants them to be terrified. The left wants them to be terrified and uh they, they they may be blaming donald trump saying how come you haven't found a way out of this for us are you concerned about the pandemic and how does the president message that it, it it's a great question you're absolutely spot on on this look i believe that this is going to be uh front and center for the electorate up until election day and then if joe biden wins we'll never hear from it again cnn will take down the ticker they'll never talk about how many people have been infected or how many people have died from the coronavirus because this is the left's opportunity to try and disparage the president. The truth is, because of the swift actions of this president, when he saw flights coming in from mainland China, unless you're an American citizen or a permanent resident here, you couldn't come here anymore. And when he made that decision, Joe Biden and, and Speaker Pelosi called him a xenophobic and a racist for doing that. The truth is, we're holding China accountable. We have uh, an enormous job to retool our manufacturing base, and we're using those companies in Ohio so that we can produce our own personal protective equipment because we were completely beholden to china for all of that that being said this president shut the economy down not because we had an underlying economic problem we had an underlying health problem and we want to flatten the curve and what we have now seen is that the survival rate is 99.96 percent is the survival rate and one death is one death too many but we have to return to a sense of normalcy there has to be personal responsibility if you're in a high-risk category as an individual, then you need to make smart choices for you of what your lifestyle should be now that the corona pandemic is here. But we also have to remember, we can't close our economy forever. We can't keep our students home every day because the schools have become, unfortunately, the first line of defense against child abuse and neglect at home. And by not allowing our students to go there and the teachers to have the opportunity to see firsthand, we're going to lose those most at-risk students who won't be checking in, who won't be participating online. We have to get back to a sense of normalcy, and it will be a new normal. It will be a different world, but we can't continue to leave our economy and our government and and our citizens stuck at home for fear of catching a virus that, uh, if you are in a high-risk category, is very dangerous. But if you are under the age of 18 or under, under the age of 30, your survival rate is enormously successful. And I believe, and I don't mean to be pejorative, I don't mean to be negative, as many people have caught the coronavirus as traditionally catch influenza in any given year, and we need to put this in a holistic approach. How many people die from the flu every year as opposed to how many people die from the coronavirus? We should be looking at these side by side and understanding, can we continue to keep our states and our economies closed and small businesses closed because the government determines which businesses can be open? And which ones can't? We can send our kids to Walmart and Target, but we can't send our kids to school. I think it's a fundamental problem that we have to address. And right now, it boils down to this. Donald Trump wants to close our borders and open our schools. And Joe Biden wants to keep our schools closed and open our borders. It's that simple.
That is a very, very great point, and I would like to close on it, but I want to get 30 seconds of a response to one more question for you, and that is the role of race in this thing. We know that there are race riots or racially riots being stoked sometimes by white Antifa members on behalf of Black Lives Matter, and uh, the, 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 the narrative, of course, is that Donald Trump uh, supports law and order and law, police officers, and police officers are racist, ergo Donald Trump is racist, etc. Joe Biden said he didn't want black kids bust to white schools because he doesn't want his kids growing up in a racial jungle. Joe Biden gave the eulogy uh, for for an exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan just 10 years ago. Joe Biden said Barack Obama was amazing to him because he was a clean, articulate black guy. Like, those aren't very, uh, those are few and far between. Joe Biden is an affirmed racist, uh, uh, Corey Lewandowski. How does the president deal with the race issue going into this thing in November? You know, all of the issues you just articulated is so right. You also have to remember that Joe Biden's mentor when he came into the U.S. Senate was James voice of the white South Eastland from Mississippi. That's who Joe Biden has tied himself to for all the years he's been in elective office. Look at Donald Trump's record on race. It's very simple. He passed criminal justice reform, which had disproportionately impacted African-American men and putting them in jail for nonviolent crimes. He changed that. He had empowerment zones so that we're putting additional resources into lower socioeconomic environments so that a rising tide lifts all boats. And look at the economy. Under the Trump administration, not the Obama-Biden administration, but under the Trump administration, African-American unemployment was at the lowest level ever recorded. The same is true for Asian-Americans and Hispanic-Americans and women, because Donald Trump is an equal opportunist. He doesn't look at race, religion, creed, or ethnicity. He treats everybody the same, and I think that's what we're supposed to do in this great country. Corey Lewandowski, Senior Advisor to Trump 2020. Thank you so much for the great work you're doing on behalf of the President, which means the great work that you're doing on behalf of the country. Corey, thank you so very much. Thank you. All right, good to talk to you again. It's 1053. We'll take our final time out now and come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1057, final segment. Uh, no time for calls. Apologies for uh, that, but uh, no apologies for the conversations today. Interviews, uh, all of them very good ones uh, this morning. Jack Windsor gave us a lot of updated information on Ohio's COVID problem and uh, Mike DeWine's messaging problem. And there really is a major problem there. He talked to us in the first half hour of the program. Uh, then we had Bob Dyer on from the Akron Beacon Journal. And you're going to want to listen to that <clears throat> You're going to want to listen to that interview. I'm going to promote the podcast page in a moment. But make sure you hear that if you missed it and couple it with Bob's column that he wrote on Kelly Williams Bowler in this era of Black Lives Matter. Um, it's a huge story. It really is. It's a nine-year-old story that is relevant now today because of the Black Lives Matter movement and a um, an effort to prop up a criminal um, as some sort of martyr for the cause. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It's crazy. <laughs> if you miss that conversation, excuse me, if you miss that conversation, you're going to want to hear that again on the podcast page and then read Bob Dyer's article in the Beacon Journal. I have uh, posted it to my Facebook page, I think. And if I haven't, I will. Find me on uh, Facebook at France Radio, France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, and Twitter as well, and Parler. Um, and then, of course, we just talked to Corey Lewandowski, who is very, very fired up. He believes that President Trump is going to win re-election by a larger electoral mo- uh, uh, college um, uh, number than he did the first time. 
That's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, again, the polling is very, very negative for the president. Corey Lewandowski says, do not believe a word of it. And by the way, I tend to agree with it. I had somebody come to my house to do some work on my roof, and uh, they told me they were just traveling down in southern Ohio, and you can't drive, you know, 50 yards without seeing a Trump sign. Trump signs are all over the place, but these people are clearly not being polled. So uh, we've got that for you as well. So all of those interviews that you may have missed are available now at whkradio.com on the podcast page. whkradio.com. Click the podcast tab, then click local podcast, then click the Bob France Authority. Make sure you catch all three of those. And again, read Bob Dyer's work. uh, on Kelly Williams Bowler on that Facebook page. That's all the time that we've got. Thanks for being a part of the show, for listening to it anyway. We'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Everett Piper. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.